Well, hello, Pastor Matt here. Just want to take a moment to say thank you for tuning in to this message. We here at New Life Baptist Church hope that in making these resources available to the public, that we'll help to edify the body of Christ at large, and that you personally will increase in your knowledge of God, leading to a deeper love for Him. Good morning. Thank you for joining us this morning uh, for the NLBC live stream. We're so glad that you decided to tune in with us and to open up God's Word with us this morning. We're going to uh, kind of take a new turn in our study in Colossians. We've entitled this study, Christ is All. And I sure hope that that has been plainly evident um, as we have been flipping through the, the first two chapters of Colossians. Today we'll be starting Colossians chapter 3. So you can go ahead and grab your Bible. You can go ahead and flip there. And um, as you're doing that, just to kind of help you see where we're going today, uh, chapter 3 is going to be a, a real shift in the mood and in the focus of the letter to the Colossians. Uh, we're going to see where, where chapter 1 and 2 has really been putting a heavy emphasis on um, battling against false teaching and teaching about Christ. Now, what Paul is going to start doing is to start writing about what the Christian life is all about. So we're going to see in chapter 3 a lot of really practical um, I wouldn't say advice, but just a lot of really practical information from Paul, practical direction, rather, of how to live the Christian life. What does it mean to be a Christian? So we're going to see uh, a couple of different relationships that Paul's going to allude to, um, the Christian's relationship with the church, the church body, uh, the Christian's relationship with uh, individual people in the household at work. So there's going to be a ton of really practical um, direction as we go throughout chapter 3. But here, whenever we start, what Paul's going to be doing in, in order to set up his doctrinal teaching of Christian living, Paul is going to first put the emphasis on Christian thinking, biblical thinking. There's, there's a way that we ought to approach things and think about things if we are in Christ. So let's ask at the outset, here at the beginning, let's ask ourselves, what is it that consumes your mind? What consumes your thoughts? Inevitably, what you will find out is that whatever it is that consumes your mind is going to play itself out in your life. So, with that in mind, let's turn to Colossians 3. Hope you're there by now. We're going to read verses 1 through 4. This is the Word of God. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, 
who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, um, Lord, as we approach your word this morning, Lord, I ask for your, your help and your guidance, God, and your empowering, that I will speak clearly, which is how I ought to speak, that I will speak boldly, which is how I ought to speak, and that I will speak only the truth of your word, not human wisdom, not my own opinion, Father, but may I stay true to what your word says, and may your word go forth through these television screens, these phone screens, tablet, whatever screens, through the internet, Lord, and may it penetrate the hearts of, of your people, God, and bear fruit in all of our lives unto your glory. I ask and pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So as we begin to dissect our passage here, keep your Bible handy. We'll certainly be referring to it often. But the first thing that we're obviously going to be looking at is, is Paul's opening phrase. He says, If then you have been raised with Christ. There's something really interesting about what Paul does here. In our selection of passages, he, he focuses on three different aspects of time. So we're, we're going to look back, we're going to look at the present, and we're going to look towards the future. Our opening phrase is looking back to something that has happened in the past. If then, you have been raised. If this has happened in your life. Notice the phrasing, if you have been. If you have been raised up with Christ. This is clearly a callback to chapter 2, verse 12, where, where Paul is discussing being buried in baptism and then being raised back to newness of life in Christ. This is what he's, he's still referring to that and saying, if, if that has happened to you, if, if that has happened in your life, here's what to do now. He's reminding the Colossians of the work of Christ in their lives by also phrasing this statement in a way that causes us to stop and think and ask, has this happened to us? Has this happened to me? Paul states, if then you have been raised, so let's ask ourselves, have I been raised? Has this happened in my life? Is this true about me? Have I been regenerated? Has Christ performed spiritual surgery in my heart? Is the old man dead and I am now alive in Christ? Has this happened to me? Let us see that this is the prerequisite for Christian living, is that the Christian have life. Before we can teach about Christian living, we must have the Christian life. We must be alive in Christ. He's not seeking to merely promote morality. You see, as we read on in chapter 3 over the coming weeks, what we're going to see is, is, is morality. He's preaching morality in, in, in a real sense. 
Because he's saying, you know, abstain from this and, and do these things and, and don't do this and do this. So in, in, a real, in a real way, he's talking about morality, but this is a Christian morality, a, a morality that it is futile to live according to if you do not have the life of Christ within you. We cannot ever get to the Christian living without the life of Christ. Despite what these false teachers were trying to teach the Colossians, the way that you get to heaven is not to live a life fashioned after a Christian morali- Christian's morality. You can't just have the, the morals of a Christian and then call yourself Christian, but you, instead you must be a- able to answer in the affirmative to the opening phrase, if then you have been raised with Christ. You must be able to answer why, yes, indeed I have. I stand here before you today a new man, a new creation. I have indeed been raised with Christ. As we move on, the other perspective that that we can take from this opening statement comes from the phrasing. If you are looking at a NIV or NLT Bible, you see that your, your Bible does not read, if then you have been raised. It says, since you have been raised. So this is the other aspect of it. It, it changes the if to since. And he's, the, he's declaring, look, this has happened in your life. He's, he's letting the Colossians know all that stuff I told you about in chapter 2, about what Christ has done in your life. At the end of chapter 1, about what Christ has done in your life. It has happened. It's happened. You're saved. You're in Christ. So then, live as follows. It's, it's the motivation. This is the fuel for what Paul is going to teach is that you have been raised with Christ. It's the motivation. It's the reason why you should be able to and you will desire to do all of the rest of the things that he will go on to list. It's the same idea as what Paul has in mind in Philippians 3.12. Paul says, Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. Why? Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. This is the motivation of all that a Christian will do in their life, is that Christ Jesus has made me his own. In other words, why do I do what I do? Because Christ Jesus saved me. He has redeemed me. Because I am Christ's. It is no different in our passage. Our motivation is Christ, and that we have been made Christ's. We are His. We are alive in Him. So then, this is our motivation for seeking things above. We seek the things above because we have been raised with Christ. This is the message from verse 1. We seek things above because we have been raised with Christ. As we read the, that phrase, to, to seek things above, we might be reminded of Jesus' own words in Matthew chapter 6, 33, where he says, Seek first 
the kingdom of God. Seek first. Seek the kingdom of God. Seek the things that are above, not down here. Seek these things. Seek is a very intentional word, is it not? It is expressing something deliberate. This is a deliberate action. This is not just a mistake. This is not an accidental way of living. This is not flying by the seat of your pants. This is a deliberate, this is what I'm doing with my life. I am seeking things above. In fact, the sense of this word is to desire, to strive for, to attempt to find. These are all purposeful actions, actions done on purpose. And to the Colossians, they were being incorrectly taught to seek things here on earth in order to then make it to heaven, in order to then have the Christian life. They were taught to seek spiritual experiences, but Paul is reorienting their focus to say, no, 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 no. Come on, guys. Eyes up. Seek things above, not down here. Seek heavenly things. Church, what is it that you are seeking? What is it in your life that you are deliberately after? What is it in your personal life that you are seeking, that you are chasing after? Don't seek to answer this question with the obvious answer, right, that we all want to give. We all want to say, well, of course, my seeking is of the Lord. I seek the Lord. That's, that's where my heart is. I seek God. But let's not say that as though God is unaware what you're truly after. Your heart's desire will be evidenced by your life. So does your life say for you that you seek after the Lord? Or what is your life saying for you that you are seeking after? We live in such a distracted time I mean, even as we are here streaming this service, having church online, you're, you're on a screen, you're on a phone, you're on a tablet, you're on your laptop or whatever it is, and we're constantly being fed with more and more distractions. Our phones, sadly, so often get more attention from us than anybody else or anything else in our lives. So let's ask ourselves, as we scroll mindlessly through Facebook or through Instagram or through whatever else, in that moment, are we seeking things above? Are we truly seeking things above when we're sitting and watching hours and hours and hours of Netflix is that what we're doing? Are we seeking things above? When we watch ESPN for hours on end, or we, or we talk about all the things of the earth 
for our entire day, and, our, and then weeks go by before we ever even really sit down to pray to the Lord. Are our lives saying for us that we are seeking things above? Yes or no? Seeking things above means that we live in a manner in which we are deliberately committing ourselves to heaven-born agendas, to heaven-born motivations, to heaven-born plans, to heaven-born values. We orient our lives around the cares of heaven, not the cares of this world. Philippians 3.20 says that our citizenship is in heaven. Do we live as citizens of heaven? Do we live concerned about what heaven is concerned about? If we have been raised with Christ, then we ought to. Paul offers the Colossians and us a perfect definition of things above. He's obviously referring to, to heaven. He immediately follows this statement with where Christ is. Where Christ is. Seek the things that are above where Christ is. Oh, church, if we could but for a moment understand how beautiful heaven is with its pearly gates and angelic choir. It is no doubt a sight unfathomable. Yet what makes heaven so heavenly is none of those things, but what makes heaven so heavenly is that it is where Christ is. Heaven is not some realm of mysticism and, and magical powers. Or a beach where you lounge around being fed grapes all day. Heaven is not heaven because of, of streets of gold or the pearly gates or the angelic choir or a mansion in the sky or, or even the absence of sin. Heaven is heaven because God is there. God is present in his fullness in heaven, and that is what makes heaven so heavenly. God himself is what makes it so beautiful. The presence of the glorified, risen Savior is what makes heaven so heavenly. What's more is that our precious Savior is seated at the right hand of the Father and he is interceding for us. Romans 8, 34. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised. Who is at the right hand of God. Who indeed is interceding for us. Oh my gosh, let that sink in. 
This is a reality that the glorified Christ, the risen Savior, is at the right hand of the Father, and he is interceding for you personally. All that a Christian will go through in their life is meant to make them more Christ-like and bring them closer to Christ until the day when they stand before Christ, spotless and blameless. Thus, what Christ prays for is for those spiritual needs that you aren't aware of. What, what Christ prays for for you are all of those cares and concerns that you are too busy to put your mind on. What Christ prays for is, is that though you go prayerless, he prays for you that you would still be making it till the end. Christ prays for you when you don't pray. How amazing is this truth? Oh, how we get bogged down with earthly trivialities when await us heavenly realities. If you could take a peek into heaven right now, you would see that Christ is alive and he's on the throne and he is interceding for you. And these light and momentary afflictions that we must endure in this lifetime are but a drop in the bucket compared to what awaits us there. This is the reality of heaven. Seek these things, not the things down here. Seek these things. Do you now have all the motivation necessary to understand that this is where your mind belongs? Set then your mind on these things, not on things of the earth. So as we see in verse number two, he says, set your mind on things above. Don't just seek them, but set your mind on on these things. Set your mind on heavenly realities. To set the mind is to ponder. It's to let one's mind dwell on. To keep thinking about. To fix one's attention on. Yet again, this is a very deliberate action. This does not just happen by accident in your life. This is a deliberate action to seek and to set our minds on things above. Romans 8.5, for those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Notice two people, two kinds of people in Romans 8.5. Either you are walking according to the flesh with your mind set on the flesh, or you are walking according to the Spirit with your mind set on the things of the Spirit. Which 
path are you on this morning? I want you to notice that these verses from Romans and and then our passage here, notice that these were not written to church leaders. These were not written to missionaries or, or to the evangelist. These directions and commands are written to the Christian. The only prerequisite to doing these things were, it was, if then you have been raised with Christ. Church, that means if you are a Christian, live this way. Seek things above. Set your mind on things above, not on the earth. This is for all of us. It's not just for me or for other pastors. It's for anyone who would call themselves Christian. So then, Christian, where is your mind this morning? Is it set on heavenly things? Or is it set on things of the earth? People used to say that it's possible to be so heavenly minded that you're of no earthly good. But in fact, the sad reality is that the, the opposite is true. That there are many people who are filling our churches who are, not, who are so earthly minded that they're of no heavenly good. Is that you this morning? Are you setting your mind on things of the earth? Or are you setting your mind on things above for the Colossians, it was, it was other rules and, and regulations and spiritual experiences that were a stumbling block for their faith. But for us today, our stumbling block is how American we are. That we're so busy with this and that and with our careers and with our pursuits and with, and with our aspirations and with, with all of these other things that just amount to wind and waves. Yes, your job matters. It's important. Do your job to the best of your ability. Absolutely. Be engaged in your hobbies. Absolutely. Enjoy these things. But where is your mind set? Are you so busy in your life being busy that you don't set your mind on things above, that you never seek things that are above? I pray that if that is the truth in your life, that the Word of God is doing work inside of you right now, as it did with me. Understand, I, I, I get it. I get busyness. I, I'm busier now with the shutdown than I have ever been in my life. Certainly busier than I was before. I understand and that is why Matt Cavazos needs this passage to be in the scriptures to wake me up and remind me this life is not what matters. The next life is what matters. The things you're concerning yourself with down here aren't what matters. 
Seek the things that are above. Set your mind on heavenly things. Be convinced this morning by God's word that doing this is not just a must. It's not just necessary. It is also possible. You might be there saying, well, Matt, you just don't understand how busy my life is. Then something's got to go. Drop something. If what you have going on in your life keeps you from Christ, what did Jesus say? If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Cut that thing off. It would be better to walk into heaven without your hand than to be cast into the lake of fire with your full body. So, my dear friends, if there is anything that keeps you from Christ, cast it off. Don't let another day go by playing the game of I'm too busy, I'm too busy, I'm too busy, because I would guarantee you that the settings in your iPhone that say screen time would show that that is not true. It would show that you've had plenty of time for Twitter and YouTube and Netflix and text messaging. We all have time. We need to use it. And the best part about this, as I said, is that it is possible. It is possible. Do you know why? Look at your Bible. Verse 3. What does that say? It says, for you have died. The old you is gone. The old you with, with all of his excuses. The old you with all of her reasons of why there's not enough time, why I can't, why I can't. She is dead. He is dead. They're in the grave. They no longer live. It is possible to live the Christian life because you are dead. Hallelujah for that. Your old self with all of its frivolous focus. It's dead. It no longer lives. If you have been raised with Christ, you have only then been raised because you have first died. Upon your dying, your burial with Christ, that is when Christ calls out to you and brings you back from the grave and raised you up to newness of life, leaving the old life dead, buried, gone. It's not here anymore. I don't know why you're looking for the living among the dead. He's not here anymore. If you're in Christ, this is the truth about you, about your life. If you are in Christ, you are a new creation. The old you is gone. He has passed away. He is gone. There is a tombstone with a date, an expiration date of when he died. Now it is true that you are not yet who you will become, but you are certainly not who you were. I know you've heard that before and I know it's a cliche, but for the Christian, 
It is also a wonderful truth. I praise God. I thank God all the time. I really do. I really thank God that I'm not who I used to be. And I also thank God that I'm not a finished product yet. Because if, if this was holiness, if this was sanctified, 100% done, man, I feel sorry for my wife. But God is still in process with me And if you are in Christ and there is breath in your lungs, you are yet in process as well. But we must be done with the old way, walking in the new way, setting our minds on new things, seeking the things above. You don't live here anymore. Your address has been changed. And your citizenship Your spiritual passport now reads, citizen of heaven. Understand then that your life, your new life, it is hidden with Christ in God. What confidence the believer has of their salvation. Look at it with me. For you have died... And your life is hidden with Christ in God. What confidence we have of our eternal inheritance. What absolute security we have of our salvation that we will be saved. That we will be kept until the final day. Because our life is locked away, hidden with Christ In God. It is hidden where moth and rust do not destroy. It is hidden from from viruses and pandemics and quarantines. It's hidden from sin. And the best part about it is that your new life is even hidden from you. That is to say that if you could lose your salvation, you would have lost it ten years ago. It is stored away safely in the safekeeping of of God Almighty, waiting to be revealed on the last day. But let us ask ourselves, though, am I in Christ this morning? Have I this grand assurance that my life is hidden with Christ in God? Have I the assurance that that I have died and been raised to newness of life in Christ? Now I know that there are some of you who are listening who will be able to answer in the affirmative. You will be able to say, yes, I have, yes, I have Christ, yes, Christ is mine and I am Christ's, yes, it is true of me. But unfortunately, I know that there are those of you this morning who would say, I I, I don't know. I can't tell you that that is true of me. Know this, that you can have a portion with all of the saints as well. No matter how much you've sinned, 
No matter how wicked and how vile you come to Christ, it matters not. What matters is that you come to Christ. Come with your baggage. Come with your sin. Come with all of your depravity. Bring it all to the foot of the cross and leave it there. Because my dear friend, Jesus Christ bore those sins on the cross of Calvary. It was in him. It was in his body. He took on your sins. And the Father poured out his wrath upon his own Son. He did this out of love for you and for me. After Jesus Christ had walked a perfect life, after he had never sinned once in his life, he made him to, who knew no sin to become sin that we might be able to don robes of righteousness in the courts of heaven. And Jesus Christ died on that cross. He was raised back to life. And he is seated now at the right hand of the Father. And if you will put all of your faith in him, in his perfect work, knowing that you can't do it, forsaking your old life, forsaking your sin, and putting all of your faith in him and him alone, the scriptures say that you will be saved. And then you too will be able to say that I have died. The old me is in the grave. And behold, I stand before you a new man in newness of life. Thanks to Christ Jesus and my new life is hidden away with Christ in God. If only you repent and believe the gospel this morning. And lastly, we, we've looked backwards. We have, we have looked at the present. And now we will look to the future. Look at verse 4. He says, When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. What I believe this is saying is that when, when Christ returns, when Jesus cracks open that sky to come and rescue his bride and take her off, take us all off into paradise with him, that on that day, when he appears, we will see him as he is, and then we will become like he is. 1 John 3, 2. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall be as he is, because we shall see him as he is. We can't begin to imagine how wonderful that day will be. We can't begin to put a sentence together that will act adequately capture the beauty of that day. But what we do know is that we will be like him because we will see him as he is. 
Now we see in the mirror dimly, dimly. But then on that day, it'll be face to face. Right now we know in part, but then we will know him in the fullness of his glory, even as we have been fully known. We will be sinless. Our bodies will be completely free from not only the presence of sin, but also the effects of sin. We will be free to worship and enjoy the Lord for all of eternity. But until then, what are we to do? This morning I will leave you with three focuses for the Christian mind. Three focuses for the Christian mind. Number one, remember what Christ has done. We see this from verses 1a and 3. Think often of what Christ has done for you. I certainly don't just mean material blessing. Think of his grace. Think of his mercy towards you. Think of how you now stand before him pure and justified because of his work on the cross. Think of all that he has done Think of his sacrifice. Think of his blood poured out for you. Think of how he bore your sins on the cross. Think of how he justified you that you may now stand justified in in the righteousness of Christ in the courtroom of heaven. Think on those things. Remember those things. Number two, then live in the light of what he has done. This is from verse 1b and verse 2. As we remember back to what Christ has done for us, then allow that, allow that that which Christ has done to motivate you, to empower you, to be the fuel for you to now serve him with all that you have. Let this be the fuel for you to set your mind on things above, for you to seek the things that are above, for you to be deliberate in seeking after him, to be conscientious about setting your mind on on him and on, on, on the realities of heaven. Do all of this because Christ Jesus made you his own. Do all of this because Christ is yours and you are Christ's. And lastly, number three, look forward to the day that Christ comes. This is obviously verse four. First John 2.28 says, And now, little children, abide in him, so that when he appears... We may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. Let us live in such a way that when he returns or when we pass over into glory, that we need not be ashamed, but instead that we may be full of joy. Let us live in such a way that we understand we are not living for this life, before the next one. Beloved, 
Seek heavenly things. Think heavenly thoughts. Let us live in view of heavenly realities until the day that we will live in heavenly reality. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, how good you are to us, Lord. How beautiful and precious is your word. How high are your thoughts above our thoughts, Lord. God, I thank you. I thank you that you have made it possible for us to seek you, to set our minds on you. Lord, I thank you that this is a, not just a, a command to us, but it's, it's also a possibility. It's within reach because we are alive in Christ and the old us is dead. But, oh, Father, we still fail so often, Lord. Oh, how we fall short, God, every day. But, Lord, I pray that this word will work you will work this word in the lives of, of each and every one of us, myself included. That as we are tempted to, to just condemn ourselves and, and throw, throw it all away, Lord, that we would not do so, but instead we would remember what you have done for us. And that that would be our motivation to now live in light of what you have done for us as we look forward to the day that you come back for us, Lord. Be glorified. I pray for all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Grace, peace, and mercy to you all.